Well, it's great to be with you all today, and it's good to see so many of you out with us. Those of you that are new to MCC, whether this is your first time or you're returning, we're so glad that you're here, and all that are joining us online, it's always good to be together. If you're in fifth grade or under, children, you're welcome to make your way down to Clubhouse, and any parents that want to tag along, just make sure you come back. But you guys have a great time down there. It's been good to have you up here with us. The rest of us, if you will take a Bible, take your e-reader, if you'll take your Bible and you'll turn to the book of Joshua. We have not yet been in Joshua as we've been on this journey uh, with Moses and the Israelites in the Old Testament, but Joshua comes after Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then we come to Joshua right there. Joshua chapter 1. I love that new song that Dan led us in and Tracy just a moment ago. It, to me, reflects what we're seeing going on around us here in this church, and I pray in churches all over the world, that we're seeing the kingdom come together, that we're seeing the kingdom grow, and for people to be awakened to the reality of who Jesus Christ is and who his bride is, the church. And so I'm excited about that. I hope you are too, and congratulations to Eli as well this morning. One more in the kingdom this weekend. In Joshua chapter 1, we see that 40 years have passed. Now, for us, it's just been seven days where we left off last week. But 40 years have passed since this generation of God's people stood at this very place. Remember last week? It was like being on the fire tower up the road in Henryville. Looking out, they could see the promised land. They've been on this journey, this journey to a new normal. This promise that God had given them is he took them from a land of slavery, a land of an old normal, the way they used to live life captive. He's led them to this new start where they had houses that they didn't build, where there were vineyards that were already planted that they didn't have to plant that were producing fruit. And so... Forty years have passed since the last generation stood in this very place, looking over, thinking about this new normal that God had brought them to. But you know what happened during those 40 years? That entire generation that stood looking over this promise, what happened? They died in the desert. Why did they die in the desert? Because they gave in to unhealthy fear. Fear instead of the promises of God. And so this entire generation has died in the desert. Remember what they were most afraid of, what they tried to avoid, (laughs) ended up happening in their lives. And it's that way with us many, many times when we choose to live outside of the promises of God. In addition, we read that Moses has died. And here, Joshua, remember he was one of the two spies that said, If God's pleased with us, we can take this land. If God's pleased with us, we can embrace this new normal that God has led us to. Joshua now is appointed the leader to lead the people the rest of the way in. In Joshua chapter 1, we read these words. God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. No one will be able to stand up against you 
all the days of your life. I, I want you to circle that, and I hope that you will come back to this because this is a promise that's as good for you as it is for them. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and very courageous. In verse seven, the Lord says again, be strong and be very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my, Moses, my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Verse 9, be strong and very courageous. Now, Sarah told me on the way down this morning that verse 9 is her favorite verse. As God says, have I not told you? <laughs> have I not told you? Be strong and very courageous. Now, what we're about to see unfold is a real life illustration of the battle that is on inside of you and me all these generations later. It is a battle to engage this new normal, this baseline on which we are to build our lives. And friends, the battle is very, very real. And it isn't a battle that is fought once, but one that continues to be fought until every giant in our lives is eliminated. So as we begin this morning, let's bow our heads and then let's jump right in. Father, thank you for this journey that we're on. And Lord, today as I look out at this church and as I know that there are many watching online, I thank you that you've given us each other that we can look around us and we can see others who stand with us in facing this giant world that has in many ways turned its back on you, made other little G gods its focus. And Father, at the sight of this, we repent of the times in our life when we've done the same, when we've let fear or a lack of knowing your word leave us without courage to stand for what you've commanded. Today, Lord, open our eyes to the courage you require of us and the source of that courage, you. We trust you. We want to be a people who live for you. Thank you for fighting for us, for pursuing us, to bring us to this very point that we're at. Give us the courage to take our next step. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when you read or hear stories of great courage, whether you see them on Facebook or in the news, perhaps you have read about them, stories like Moses when he was sent in to the king of Egypt to say, if you don't let my people go, this is what's going to happen, right? That took great courage. Or, or maybe you think about contemporary uh, men and women of courage today, firefighters in our own community who rush into home, burning homes to save a child or a person that they have not ever met. What courage that takes. Police officers, every time they pull someone over for not obeying the law, imagine the, the courage. And you, and you wonder, would I have that type of courage? We, we've seen stories of teenagers 
who see a child drowning in a, in a lake or reservoir who dive in to save that child only to succumb to the water themselves. Now, it may not be as dramatic and it may not require the amount of physical courage as someone you've seen on the news, but all of us, all of us are called upon to be men and women of courage. Each one of us in this room and watching online who call ourselves believers, we are being called upon by God right now at this time in our life to have great, great courage. And I mentioned to you last week that God never commands something of us. He never requires something of us without giving us what we need in order to fulfill that command. And so here, God gives us what we need. He gives us a description of the source of lasting courage. And I want you to notice, first of all, that he does it before the battle even begins, the physical battle. Verse 7, he says, be strong and very courageous. And what's the first thing he says? He says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left. That means don't vary from it. Don't pick and choose, but you stay right on target with these commands that you will be successful. So what's the beginning of courage? The beginning of courage in your life and mine is to build my life and actions on the word of God. And this begins today. If you and I are to be the courageous people that God's called us to be, we must build our life and actions on the word of God. And again, I call your attention to the fact that God hasn't commanded them to take that first physical step towards the walled cities. He hasn't commanded them to take that very first step yet towards the giants that they would battle when he addresses courage. He says, first of all, you apply these commands to your life. You apply them to your family. You apply them to your actions and to your response to things. Listen to the accounts of Moses. Pay attention to the men and women of great courage who have come before you that you have heard about. Look to your parents. Look to your forefathers that have passed down to you the promises that I've made and the consequences, the good consequences of living within those promises. Because God knows if they don't trust in his power and his strength today, if they don't trust him, there's no way they're going to have the courage to go up against walls that are six feet and 13 feet thick and giants that outweigh them and outnumber them. You see, God prepares us now. He's preparing you right now for what you will experience later. I think it's one of the challenges that we all face. All of us. I'm there frequently. It's one of the challenges that we all face as people who are young in our faith, no matter our physical age. In fact, have you not met a person who comes to Christ later in life and they're older and, and, so, and sometimes they just have this great stature about them and then they do something so childish, so foolish because we've put this picture on our mind that because they're older, that they are firmly rooted in their faith when the opposite is true. They're but a babe. 
And many of us find ourselves in the heat of the battle, right? We find ourselves scaling these 13-foot thick walls. We find ourselves standing toe-to-toe with the biggest giant we could imagine having to face in our life. And all of a sudden, we realize that we don't even know the promises of God. And worse yet, sometimes we think we know them because of what someone else said, or we've defined God in our own hearts and minds, and then we're disappointed when he doesn't come through. And we want to blame him when the blame doesn't belong to him at all. He's done nothing outside of what he's promised. God prepares us now so that when we get to that point of battle, we will be ready This whole journey out of Egypt through the desert, even in their disobedience, God has been preparing them. He has been showing them. There's so many interesting facts, like the reality that their clothes didn't wear out for 40 years. Now, this pair of pants that I'm wearing is pretty close to that. I've had my mother let them out three times. The pockets are all the way around in the front. But 40 years... They have seen, oh, some of you think that's funny because you're there, right? Yeah. 40 years they've had to prepare them for this battle. In chapter 3, at God's command, Joshua and the Israelites set out. And the first thing they have to do is cross the Jordan River. Now, you'll remember the Red Sea that God parted before the previous generation 40 years earlier when he led them out of Egypt. This time, God is in the lead again, and the minute the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, remember the Ark, the Ark represents God's presence with them, carrying the Ark of the Covenant, set their feet in the water. Verse 15 says, this river that was at flood stage stopped flowing, and the priests stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all of Israel passed through. Now, just like the miracle, the miracle of God parting the Red Sea so that these two million Israelites could pass through on dry land. Imagine this, and the Bible's clear that the river wasn't just a little brook. It wasn't a stream that you and I could skip a rock over or jump over. It was that flood stage. But friends, the miracle wasn't that God parted the sea. The miracle was in the heart of the men who put their feet in the water before the water ever parted. That is where courage begins in resting on the commands of God. How could these men do that? Oh, they were priests. Well, why were they priests? They had committed their life to the word of God. Courage is trusting that God's word is true, that he keeps his promises, and then acting on those promises with a very next step. In chapter 5, on the other side of the Jordan, we see God again lead the Israelites through additional preparation for the courage that we required of them. In verse 2, God looks at this new generation and says it's time. Now, last night, I'm just going to give you a warning. If you haven't talked to your children about circumcision, last night the room was a buzz, right? We have a lot of middle schoolers, and boy, they were fired up about this idea of circumcision. And uh, I'll just say that I'm glad that priests no longer have to do this. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, chapter 5 and verse 2. God looks at this new generation. Remember, this is a generation that has come up 
from birth now. They're now 40 years old. And in verse 2, he says to them, I want you to identify yourself with me. And so Joshua makes a flint knife and circumcised the Israelites. Why? Why? Circumcision was an outward sign of the covenant relationship they had with God. Now, my wife wanted me to explain last night why in the world circumcision, why not something else? I have no idea. I'm glad that, anyway. It was an outward sign. And in verse nine, God describes it this way. He says, today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Through this act of circumcision, God was what? He was setting them apart. He was distinguishing them. Their way of life in the past, while they could be confused with the people around them, they could no longer be confused because they were different. And the thing is, is that the outward difference is to reflect an inward difference in our lives. You see, God's plan through all of these outward things was what? To change the heart of the people who followed him. Now, as believers, our baptism reflects our relationship, our separation from the way we were before to the way that God is drawing us to be and regenerating within us to be. Colossians 2.11 says, in him, in Christ, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. And so they have this, this outward act. The next thing that we see them doing is in verse 10, it says they celebrated the Passover for 40 years. For 40 years since they had escaped Egypt on that night that the death angel came. The death angel that avoided any house that had the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. You remember? Every year they would pause and they would celebrate that. They would roast a lamb. They would fix bread without yeast, unleavened bread. It had not risen. It's bread of haste. And they would celebrate this Passover, an outward sign of the promises, the commitment of God, his commitment to them. And that leads us to the second thing that we need to understand about courage, the courage that God's calling us to. Courage is standing in the open with God, separate from the world around me. Courage is standing in the open with God, separate from the world around me. Those of you who have been around a little while, you might remember the Christian rock band Petra. One of their highlight songs, a song that I could sing every word of it to you today, all these years later, says we are strangers, we are aliens, we are not of this world. You see, courage is getting to the point of our life by standing in the open with God. It begins with not being ashamed to bow our heads in prayer when we're at a restaurant or at the dinner table, whether we're with believers or not, whether they've already got the first bite in their mouth. In fact, I encourage everybody to take a bite before I pray. That way it doesn't matter how long you are. <laughs> Courage is 
declaring the greatness of God, whether you're at a high school graduation or whether you're in a one-on-one conversation with someone, that you're not ashamed or that you're not afraid to be out in the open with your faith and your relationship with him. Courage is shutting down a conversation that's unholy. Keeping a commitment to the gathering, no matter, no matter what. It's a non-negotiable with the coach or with the band director or with your spouse. It's a non-negotiable. Courage is taking a knee only before Jesus Christ when the world around us kneels in rebellion and brings shame on themselves. Jesus said, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Don't suppose that I've come to bring peace to earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Do you ever wonder why we're called to be in the world but not of the world? Yet when we're in the world, we're supposed to be salt, we're supposed to be light, there's supposed to be a difference. People are supposed to ask us why we're different. Do you ever wonder, though, really why we're supposed to be separate? Not just when we feel like it, but in every moment, in every decision, no matter the political climate, no matter the pandemic at hand, no matter whatever it is, whatever the wall is, no matter how thick or how tall it is, why are we called to be different? Why are we called to be separate? Because, because God is to be our shepherd so that when we find ourselves in a strange place separated from other believers, we can be assured that he's on the way. Because when we stand alone with him, we're drawn closer to him, the one that we're separated with. God is to be your friend before you can have healthy friendships with other people. God is to be your God before you can keep the blessings in life in proper perspective. And that gives us great courage for the battle that is ahead. And that's where we arrive in chapter six. God has brought them to the physical barrier, the outer wall that surrounded the first city that they would take as the promised land. Verse one, I have to laugh every time I read it. It says, Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. If you remember from last week, why was the first generation just 40 years earlier afraid to go into the city? Why were the 10 spies afraid? They were afraid because of what was inside those walls. They were afraid of the giants. They were afraid of these people. And now who's afraid? It's just the opposite. How does that happen? God says it in verse two. He says, see, I've delivered Jericho in your hands. God speaks of what hasn't happened as if it already has. Now, this is important. It's perhaps the most important thing that you can take away this weekend. 14 times, 14 times God has promised his people in this short journey. He says, I will give you the land. 
I will give you the land. He couldn't be any more clear. I'll give you the land. And now he says, see, I've given you the land. Now, if that was me, I would have said, see, see, right? Can you see it? I've given you the land, except the Israelites are on the outside, right? And the enemy's still inside. God's helping them and he's helping us understand something about faith and the courage that comes through faith. And that is courageous faith is staying the course, trusting that what God has promised, he's already secured. (laughs) See, you and I, when someone makes a promise, we want to see We want to see their good faith effort carried out before we'll take our next step with them. But God's not like that. God has never failed to fulfill a promise. Remember those thousands of promises that we considered last week? Every one of them he has kept, the ones with negative consequences and the ones with positive consequences consequences. And the only way that we experience that in our life is to take our next step and the step after that, believing that what he's promised us, he's already secured. I used to say it this way with people who would come to me and they would say, I, I'm, just, I'm just anxious to see. I'm just anxious to see if God's going to answer this or not. And I would often say, well, the only way you're going to see it is to walk forward because God's already decided it. It's up to you now to have the courage to walk through your circumstances to see what he's already done. Some have put it this way over the years. They say we've read the back of the book and God wins and that means we win. (laughs) And that's true. But again, I ask you what makes it true? What makes it true is that God has already secured what he promised. Now, how did he secure it? It's the most important promise that he ever made. The promise of our forgiveness. The promise of our eternity with him through the blood of Jesus Christ. When Jesus said on the cross, it's finished, he was speaking to the reality that the price for everything that would ever separate us from God was paid in full. There's nothing else that we could do to earn it. There's no changing that. God doesn't have a second plan and a third plan and a fourth plan. The plan has been completed. What he promised has been completed. It's up to us now to step into that, right? To take that step as Eli did in obedience and to say, I'm yours. And what God has promised, it's already been fulfilled. The Bible says all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. So where does our courage come in? Well, it comes in where God lays out the battle plan. It's really neat. Chapter 6, verse 3. If you've not read the account, go home and read it in full. But in chapter 6, verse 3, God says to the Israelites, he says, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to march around the city. And I want you to march around the city once with all the armed men. And I want you to do this for six days. So every day, I want you to get them together and I want you to walk around the city. I don't want you to beat on the walls. I don't want you to plant uh, explosives, right? I don't want you to chip away at it just a little bit. I want you to walk. 
And not only do I want you to do that with the armed men, but I want you to call the preacher. I want you to call the preacher. You know, the guy with really good hair most of the time. But I want you to call him, and I want you to put him out in the front. You know, the guy that builds body by going down to the Golden Corral, not lifting weights. I, I want you to put him out in front. And then I want you to call Bigelow. I want you to call the associates. I want you to call Brandon. I want you to call Dan. And I want you to put a trumpet in their hand. And I, as you march around that city, I want you to play when the saints go marching in. I think that would be a really, really cool song. Some of you are like, what is that song? It's an old song. Look it up. This is his plan. Why? Do you see it? God is making sure that they understand and that you and I understand that the only way the battle's going to be won is by his hand, is by his strength, by his power. My responsibility in it all is to, and here's where I'm not filling in the blank for you, Here's where I challenge you. A guy came up to me last night, 20 minutes after the service. Well, what's supposed to go in that last blank? And then he says, I know. And I said, I know you know. My responsibility in it all is to what? It's to know his word. Do you, do you know his word? Right now. Right now, do you know his word? Can you name at least a promise and can you find it in his word, in context with your situation? My responsibility in it all is to, is to be out in the open right now with my faith, right? Not, not just when you're on a football field or not just when someone calls you up to speak at a convention, but right now, as we take our everyday ordinary life, Romans 12 says, and place it before God as an offering. My responsibility right now is to, to not be ashamed, to know his word, to take him at his word, and to follow the path lit by his word. Verse 12 says, Joshua and the people did just that. With God leading in complete obedience, verse 20 says, everything happened just as God said it would. The walls collapsed and they took the city and everything in it. My question for you this weekend is what walls are you facing? Maybe it's a wall that you've just imagined in your mind. Perhaps you're watching online and you're, and you're thinking, when is it ever when is it ever going to be safe? <laughs> Maybe in this room. You, you've been walking around a wall. You, you have been waiting on God to move it, to open a door, to crack open a window, to send a Rahab, to let down a rope. <laughs> and you're sitting there saying, if God will do this, then I'll do that, my friends. If you know the promises of God, you need to go ahead and take your next step in those promises, believing. And it's just not a matter of believing enough. It's a matter of obeying and saying, God, if you promised it, then you've already accomplished it. Now it's up to me to live through these circumstances that are separating me 
from that. Some of you have yet to take your first step to believe the God of the Bible and to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. The one who opens the door to all of these promises that have been made and kept to be real in your life. His Holy Spirit that is placed inside of you that will give you the courage and the strength that you need to take that first step and that next step and the step after that. I want to offer you this opportunity as we sing this song that is very reflective of these walls that we walk around in our lives today, trying to muster up the courage. I want you to be reminded of the truth of Scripture that we've shared today. But I also encourage you to take that next step, that first step to come. I'll meet you right here. Let's stand together and let's sing.